you truly cannot do this on your own. You've got to reach out and have people do and help you with the things that you aren't an expert at. And that is one of the hardest things is to admit that you cannot do everything. The parts that are yours, the parts that you're amazing things, the parts that are your extraordinariness, do them and do them well and have people help you in one form or another. You'll find people to help you. And the communities that we, we connect in, podcasting community, if you want to be a podcaster, they'll reach out and help you. Speakers and the same thing. You'll find people to help you do this. It doesn't have to cost you every penny you have, but seek help. And that will allow you to wallow in your extraordinariness and make a difference in the world. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 552. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so thrilled that you're here with us today, and I'm thrilled to introduce Trevor Perry, the perspective catalyst from URXO. And I, I love what URXO stands for, but, gonna, but I'm going to let Trevor share that. But Trevor, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Kim, thank you so much. It's really quite a pleasure. Oh, I, I am looking so forward to this conversation. But before we go any further, I want you to share what URXO is, because I'm, I'm sure that there's a couple of people out there who are like, oh, I know. <laughs> but if 98% of the population plus, I'm sure it's like, huh? So it's actually funny because I do get spam because URXO spelled out Erxo is actually apparently a Russian boy's name. So I get Russian spam. Really? But, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. URXO is an idea that I had while I was doing some motivational speaking that was started with a get a life. And I realized that I wanted to tell people that they were really great people and my word that came out was extraordinary. And I thought of sizes and stuff like that. So XO is extraordinary. URXO, quite easily. URXO, you are extraordinary. Trevor, I have a I am list. It's an A to Z I am list. And it's what I use on those days when I'm just really stressed out. And I have a, letter, a word for each letter of the alphabet. Excellent. So I'll go, I am amazing. I am whatever. Right now, I can't remember the, letter, the letters. I haven't had to use it lately. Maybe I shouldn't have to wait. Maybe I should just do it anyway. But I thought I was cheating when I got to X because I used extraordinary. Cool. Because I am xylophone. Just, you know, it doesn't have the same <laughs> ring. <laughs> that that Actually, was an unintended pun, though. It doesn't have yeah, the same what ring. Is, I am xylophone. <laughs> One of the things I do in my session, and I just did this a couple of weeks ago on my keynote in Denmark, I actually make everybody write in crayon the four letters I-M-X-O, and then I make them speak it. And uh, so I have that already, I-M-X-O, and you know you can steal all of that too. So it's yours. Oh, I love that. And people need to be reminded, one of my favorite movies, and I've been watching it with my boys lately, is Goodwill Hunting. Yep. I'm not giving away the movie people but it's just if you haven't seen it a big part of it is people just sometimes forget how amazing they are and that it's okay to be amazing and it's okay to tell yourself that you're amazing and I know those of you who have watched the movie may think how is she getting that well I am and we can all take movies our own ways but how did you get into this Trevor what has your career looked like before now and 
a third question. I forgot to tell you that I stack questions on top of each other. What did you want to be when you were a child? So I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was a child. I was uh, pretty much a ignorant child, very naive, and ran around having a great time and being rather impulsive. My mother calls me Never Trevor because I would not listen to her and I would go do my own thing. And I was quite my own uh, child kind of thing. And what I discovered was when I was younger, I could make people laugh. I could entertain them. And I never really thought that I wanted to be that when I grew up. I lived in a small country town in Australia and I was really good at mathematics. And so mum said, right, you're up to school. You're going to go and be an accountant. So I did discovered computing and that was the end of it. That was my going to be my career. And IT has been my career since then. And it's been a really incredible career. But in doing that, I was teaching as an accountant. They said, you teach the accountants. So I was teaching. I was even teaching in college. My professor was the mayor of the town. And so I would do all these classes for him. So I was teaching from a very early age and entertaining from a very early age. I got into IT and I've been doing that and consulting forever. And I realized I can translate the big sticky things into very simple, easy to understand things. So I went through the world's worst divorce, of course, because it was mine. That's the only reason. And out of that, I started uh, doing improv and street theater and stopped teaching technology for a little while and came back from that and said, I have a story to tell. I rediscovered who I was. So I found that I could motivate and entertain people with these stories. And I went through a whole period of people saying, you know, you're telling me I need to follow my passion, but now I need to find it. So I did a session called Finding Your Passion and a whole bunch of things and a whole bunch of journey until one day about four years ago, I spent some time talking with a world-class mentalist and he and I talked for two hours about motivational speaking. And he said, Trevor, what's your message? And I said, you are extraordinary. And he says, you cannot preach that until you are. So that was my turning point for I have to do this as a, you know, single thing in my life. In in my Finding a Passion uh, session, the very first time I did it, and by the way, it's now been retitled, but the first one people said, Trevor, what's yours? And I went, oh, no, I forgot to do my own classes. So we did it right there on the spot and discovered my passion is storyteller and being able to translate those things, whether it's technology or life or wisdom, whatever it is that I'm able to do, I'm able to tell those stories. And so it all added all up. So it never really had a direction other than being a bit of a nutcase, being a bit of an idiot, being silly, and silly was the big word, and here I am now standing in front of audiences being silly and having people come up and say, you know, that their life was impacted in some form. And that's just an incredible thing to be able to make a difference in the world. And I am now chosen to do that. Trevor, I could give you a big hug. And I wish we had met earlier. Because up until two years ago, I thought the only way that I could be extraordinary was by being perfect and polished and having a clean house and kids that always behaved. And, you know, I had to be like the super successful people or the quote, super successful people I see on social media. And I just felt so unextraordinary. I felt like yep. a failure because yep. I wasn't like up where they were. But 
I would like to say, I don't know what TV show I got it from, but I, I it was probably Friends where Joey gets hit by a sandwich. I don't like the like people getting hit by two by fours, but I feel like <laughs> I was hit by a sandwich yep. and got some sense knocked into me yep. and realized, oh my gosh, you already are. And just by sharing, you know, your quirks of your life, you're inspiring others. It's fascinating that you use the up top word because I always find that people being silly and being out there and being noticed and having people, you know, sometimes love you to death and sometimes vehemently hate you because you poked one of their insecurities. People notice who you are and that means you're going to be out there doing stuff. But I never, ever put myself above or below anybody. It's always that extraordinary is that thing off to the side. We're equal to every other human on the planet. But it's just we've discovered what it is that makes and I call it now the your mad thing. What is your mad thing? And your mad thing stands for make a difference, your MAD thing. What is that thing? People call it your passion, your purpose, your calling. I think extraordinary people are the ones who just know very comfortably who they are and what they need to be doing. And um, I have a friend in New York who says, if you look at 100 people at a traffic light in Manhattan, 20 of them will stand out. And I sort of disagree. I think that you don't see the extraordinary people until you're really up close and you see their commitment to their self. And it's like you. It's you've got to find who you are and what your message is. Those are the extraordinary people. Wow. I I so agree just because I feel like I was hiding more when I was trying to force standing out because I was trying to be someone else Yep. instead of being myself. And you're also trying to meet what you think other people desire of you. Mm-hmm. And doing improv one day, I had a bit of a epiphany because people were laughing at me. And I'm like, I made them laugh at me. And then I went and performed street theater and I could entertain people for an hour without repeating anything and, and make them laugh the whole time. And it was like, I have the power to be able to entertain and to do things that People are scared to do because they're laughing at you. And it's the answer is, is that's appropriate. And that's what it is. The message that you have, Kim Sutton, is something that people need to hear. And it's not for everybody. And I've realized that as well. I will not ever please everybody. There's always got to be some reason there's a pushback or whatever, because not everybody is ready for you. And I always start my sessions with we're on a journey and we sometimes cross paths with people. And, you know, there's a cliche. I like to upend cliches and apply a little unperspective to them. But it's you meet some people for a reason, some for a season, maybe the other way around. But the answer is, is we cross paths. And occasionally that path crossing means something to you because you're ready and open for what that message is. But for most people, they just cross paths, maybe walk together for a while and just continue on their life without it being a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And and it can't be to everybody. There simply isn't enough people who have the message that you're looking for. Absolutely. I'm going through a program right now. I'll just, I'm not an affiliate. There's no affiliate link for this experienced product masterclass. And I can never say her last name right, but it's taught by Marisa and her last name starts with the M. I guess I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's not an affiliate link, people. But the whole premise of the program is to put a program out there that people get to experience. And I was watching a video last night where she was talking about one of her grade school teachers or college professors and how 
they took you through such an experience that she's never forgotten this one lecture. And it got me thinking about the only teacher from my freshman year of high school that I remember, and I'm surprised I remember any, to be totally honest, is the one who gave us an experience. He was our history teacher, and we laughed at him because he was the one who had a costume for every section of history that he was teaching. Wow. But he was so into it because he wanted us, well, he was extraordinary, and he wanted us to really suck in that's not the word I'm looking for, but really digest what he was teaching. So he would show up every Friday in, I mean, we're talking about World War One, and a little bit earlier. So maybe like the, the few hundred years before that, but he had World War One Japanese soldier outfits and I'm probably getting the wrong war here, but <laughs> you know, I remember the costumes that he was wearing and I can't tell you one other I don't remember anything else from that year, and there's very little the rest of high school that I remember, but all through all my education is those that I remember. It's the ones that we laughed at then, Yep. but now now it's really occurring to me that it it did sink in, because he wasn't afraid. That's a really big thing, because fear is what holds a lot of people back, and that's what I've been doing coaching people is, is you know, I ask them a lot of questions and one of them is, is what is the fear? And it's been the same for me. I've been learning that myself. And this is part of my journey to extraordinary is that I'm learning what my fears are from everything from, you know, becoming an entrepreneur to, uh, you know, bungee jumping. What's your fear for that? Everybody says, won't do it, won't do it. And bungee I jumping, went out. Really? Yep. I went out to the end of the underneath of the Auckland Bridge, right smack in the middle and I couldn't do it. And I'd never had my knees physically knock before. <laughs> and what I discovered was I was afraid of the height. And so I left and beat myself up for the walk back to the hotel and then just called in the afternoon, said, can I do it tomorrow? Went back and I realized it was the height that was going to get me. So I didn't open my eyes and I told the guy, I'm going to shuffle out and when I'm ready, let me go. And I did it. Most amazing experience. Second most amazing to parachuting, which is a longer story, but People have this fear because there's, and all fear is, is lack of knowledge. Mm. And so we have all these fears. We can't do this. I can't do this. Those are insecurities driven by fear. And it's a matter of recognizing them and then working out how to deal with them. And a lot of that is where people become extraordinary. They just face their fears. And that does it just like that. Trevor, I want to go back to what you were talking about, finding purpose, finding passion, because I found in my own personal experience that when I tried to force it, I was so unpassionate about what I came up with. And then my passion just sort of hit me. Do you think that's usually the case? Do you think people accidentally stumble upon their passion? Or do you think it can be forced, that discovery, or their purpose? It can be done both. And part of it is that there's one common denominator in both of those, and that is you are, are searching. You've got to be aware uh, of your search. And if you're not aware of your search, then stumbling across it is much, much more difficult. If you're actually searching and you're looking, I actually drive people to look at the things around them to see what makes them feel in different ways. And that gives people a clue of what it might be that could be that passion if they're looking. Even then, 
it's really hard to find it by working through all the exercises. It does become this thing that you stumble upon, but you've got to be in the right place, not just at the right time, but being aware that the opportunity is there. And those are the keys. The keys are stumbling isn't really the thing. The only reason you stumbled into that place is because you were looking for it. You were prepared for that room. You prepared for that place. You might have been stumbling, but you weren't stumbling into that. It just was there. You saw it and you took it. So part of it is I can spend time with people working through finding their passion. I do that a lot. And people don't necessarily find it from the exercises. They stumble on it either smack in the beginning of it or sometime later. It's uh, you've got to be prepared and aware. And I think that you knew there was something you wanted to do and you were looking for it. So you were open to the possibility that it could be there. If you're not open to the possibility, I don't think you'll ever find it. Trevor, I don't know if you know how I found mine. Tell me. My twins were born. If this is your first episode listening, listeners, I'm a mom of five and I've been in business since 2012. I'm an accidental entrepreneur. And my twins were born, we weren't even planning on having more kids, in January 2015. And I went for the next year and a half sleeping two to three hours a night. It was not because of my twins. It was because I was chasing everybody else, trying to get their success. But by July of 2016, I was so sleep deprived that I was anxious, depressed, and suicidal. And there was one night that I was trying to figure out, and I know this is so not positive, but there's a point. I was trying to figure out if I could hang myself from the ceiling fan in my room. And I love wow. my husband and my kids, people, more than anything on this planet. And I just started praying that God would help me take those thoughts away. And some miraculous things happen. And the monsters that I was seeing went away. And I had the most peaceful, long night of sleep that I've ever had. And the next morning, I just, I heard my message. You know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be helping other entrepreneurs not feel like this. Because we shouldn't be hustling and grinding all the time. I don't know how you feel, but I cannot stand the words hustle and grind. <laughs> we can sleep and achieve, quote, success, whatever it looks like. And since then, success has taken a total spin. Like I used to think it was going to be having a seven figure launch and having 20 million followers on social media. Now it's just about having time to spend with my kids and being healthy and happy and not feeling anxious and depressed. And, you know, it would be nice if there's food in the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not about material possessions anymore. And I was very thankful when my kids got a hold of my previous vision board because it had a Mercedes on it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a Mercedes, but they they thought it was theirs to destroy. <laughs> they were actually <laughs> trying to create with it. But it, it really gave me an eye opener. Like, okay, what should really be on my vision board? Like, what do I feel? What do I want from my heart and not from my head? So I redid my vision board. And there's, yes, there's one material thing on my vision board now. I want to experience Disney with my family. But there's nothing else material on there. It's I want to feel peaceful. I want to be rested. I want to be happy and laugh a lot. You know, it's all those feel good things to me now. Yep. 
And that's how I want my community to feel well or as well. I don't want them waking up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, my gosh, I have this and this and this and this and I can't sleep tonight. And I, uh, you know, I might not be able to sleep all week. No, that's not why we got into business. And it's sad that so many of us get into business thinking that we'll work less. And now we're working three times as much. (laughs) It's a really interesting phenomenon. I joined the National Speakers Association about five years ago. And my first one, I had a guy who thought I was one of his mentees and took me under his wing and said, what are you doing? And I told him my story. And he said, well, this is how we do it. You write a book and it's got to have the word success in it. And um, it didn't fit me. And I couldn't work out why everybody was telling me, you've got to have success. And I saw these people doing two things. One is they were looking for that elusive success, and they defined it as material things. And then they also were looking to impress other people. And, you know, I started feeling that I had to impress other people, and I slowed that down pretty quickly. But the success thing is a very different thing. Success is a personal definition and you've got to find what it is. It's the same as what you, is your, your mad thing. You make a difference thing. It's a personal thing. It, success is very, very different. If you decide that success is you want to make a million dollars, then there are ways that you can go about doing that that will do. I saw a guy speak at the National Speakers Association and he said, you've got to start with the money. And the reason is you've got to be able to support your family and have a business if you want to go be, you know, a speaker who changes the world. And a bunch of people in the room were really annoyed saying, I'm not after the money. That's not my definition of success. So there's got to be some basics that you have. But the definition of success really has to be, you know, what are people going to think of you when you die? What's your epitaph? And to me, it's a matter of making a difference in the world. That's mine. And, you know, my family is is literally my girlfriend and my daughter, and I get to spend uh, as much time with them as I can and more time now with my daughter if I can. And we have a fantastic relationship, and that would be all. But that's my personal success. You know, for me, going beyond that to make a difference in the world is key. If I can, that's it. Like you said, if I can guide people to help find their mad thing and then make a difference thing and go do that. That's a really key thing. You mentioned something really interesting because I have been working on this for a while and came up with a, a, an equation for living an extraordinary life. And it includes, you know, being an ordinary human because we all have that. And then the uniqueness that is you, that is nobody else has that in the world. And then a catalyst. And you had a catalyst. For some people, it's a horrible car crash. For you, it was the moment before suicide. You know, for me, I've had several different defining moments in my life, and I can't pick particular any of them except the one where the guy said, you can't preach extraordinary unless you are, and that was my catalyst. So the catalyst is the thing that comes along when you when you least expect it. That's the thing I think you stumble into. And then you put all that together, and then your sphere of influence, I guess, is where you then spread that extraordinariness. I How's love that for a word? Yes. Extraordinary. Say it again. Extraordinariness. Yes. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast. You officially fit in because you made up a word. (laughs) (laughs) I found I couldn't put it out on Google because nobody was looking for it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that equation. And I remember just a few nights before, you know, that dark moment, or maybe it was a few months before, 
I said to my husband, what do I need to do? Dye my hair turquoise and chop it all off? I mean, not in that order. I was like, is that what I need to do to get attention? And it, I'm so glad I didn't. He is too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just thought... I think you should do it just to frighten the hell out of your kids. <laughs> oh my gosh, it would frighten a, it would frighten a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And now... I mean, I have two teenagers and they like to joke with me about my gray hairs. I'm like, they're like, are you going to dye those? I'm like, no, I earned those. <laughs> and they're not gray. They're platinum. Those, that's go. a precious metal. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't, it's no longer about, about all the stuff. I've been amazed. You know, I thought that getting emails from people or messages on social media would get old. Not old. That's the wrong word. But I thought that after the first one, the novelty would wear off, you know, when people are saying thank you, but it doesn't, I still get goosebumps and I still get choked up every time I get one. And I still, I think my husband's like, okay, when are you going to stop showing me everyone that comes in? Yeah. (laughs) But it just, it makes my heart so warm and glow. And when I know that I'm making a difference. It's a truly amazing thing. I have people come up to me after sessions and tell me amazing stories. My my book, of course, has a unique title, and I tell people that, which is Never Iron When You Were Naked. And I have somebody come up and tell me, Never Fry Bacon in the Nude. Uh, here's Wait, my say it one more time. <laughs> Never Iron When You Are Naked. Love it. And uh, I had one lady come up and say, I have a scar from ironing naked this morning. I wanted my roommate says I should show you. So <laughs> I've had some really Did you say, interesting. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, I said, TMI, TMI. But when people come up and say, you changed my life, I struggle with that mightily because I happened to, I believe I was the catalyst and they just needed to hear those things. And I had one guy recently walk up and he's standing in front of me, had tears in his eyes and he's a rough, tough programmer who doesn't show his emotion. And I said, what, what's going on? And he said, I didn't know I needed those words until I heard them. And I believe that's a really key thing is that you have a special message and people are going to hear those words just by finding them somehow and it'll resonate. And that is what will stir them to do that thing and to realize they're extraordinary. And when people say you changed my life, I struggle. I have to finally just step back and say, you know, thank you for telling me because it wasn't me. And some people say, well, that's a bit egotistical to say it wasn't you. You were the one who pushed them and nudged them. No, I didn't know that they were coming and they needed that. That's what I discovered is is I find people who nudge and push me all the time when it was unexpected. So, you know, I can thank them and I, I can tell you those thank yous are just incredible, whether they're, you know, in person or in email. I've got some great emails that all start with Dear Mr. Perry. And my joke is I send them to my dad because <laughs> oh, I'm not yeah. Mr. Perry. <laughs> but, you know, it's a it's I think people are searching for the most part, I think a lot of people have become complacent about searching and realize they they don't realize they're living an ordinary life. It's not a bad thing at all. That's most of the world. But it's just that if you really want to do step up and live an extraordinary life, you've got to start that searching. And, and it's so incredible to watch people's journey as they do that. Stories like yours are just amazing. And if it appears in one of my sessions one day, I won't tell you. I'll just use it. (laughs) That is totally fine. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm loving every bit of this conversation. I do have a question, though. And it's actually, 
it's inspired by a question I put out on social media yesterday. I asked my my friends and I guess general public on Facebook what question they would like me to answer on social media. And I won't name a name here, but somebody responded and somebody who I consider to have a lot more clout than me. She asked me, how would you handle people who question your goals and your motives and question your integrity when you believe you're standing in it, but all you're doing is being yourself? And I guess she had some haters and she's doing amazing things. I don't, I don't want to pinpoint her right now because I'm not trying to call her out. But I think that part of the risk that we face when we start getting out there is there, we will have haters for being ourselves. How would you handle haters or how have you handled haters along your journey? It's uh, all my life. I wanted to be loved by everybody and I worked really hard to be, quite on the edge, be silly or whatever, that I would stand out and people would notice me. But um, once I started doing motivational speaking, I started having a story. I realized that, you know, and I actually wrote a whole part of this in, in my last session, which is the insecurities you bring in life are yours, not mine. And I, if I don't know you personally and I touch one of the, I poke one of those insecurities, you'll blame me. And the answer is, is that I had nothing to do with it. I just said some words that were out there. I didn't point them at you. I didn't go after you. And so if you feel personally angry at me for me poking one of your insecurities, which was completely accidental and inadvertent, well, it may not have been accidental, but it was inadvertent. And I only know some of those triggers. People absolutely feel very strong emotions. And I found that was an amazing and incredible thing People felt strong emotion, strong feelings because of something I said. That's a positive thing because emotions in one way or another, uh, you know, if you take, say, anger is negative, it isn't. Anger is actually something that might stir you to do something. And oftentimes I say to people, if I put one of your insecurities and you feel this thing that makes your behind look like your face with a pucker, uh, you know, that you should take notice of that and go, oh, that's something that I have an issue with and maybe I can deal with or come to grips with or I'll just face it every day. I had somebody, uh, I was at a, an environment where I was very comfortable and one of the audience members started counting my swear words and they wrote and said, oh, I ran out of count. And I'm like, really, you can't count that high? <laughs> That's not my you know, problem. I've been struggling with this for a long time and finally realized that it's okay to make people uncomfortable. It's okay because it stirs them or changes them. And if that turns into some kind of hate or whatever it is, it's it's on them. You know, working at uh, doing street theater, there was a, a, a group and it was very much of a family, but the family has these whole things where there were people who would talk smack about you behind your back. And I realized that they felt that I was better than them. So therefore they had to talk badly about me to bring me down to their level or below. Mm. And I realized that I living on the planet, I'm not better than them, but I'm offering them a service <laughs> right. by, by them having to feel better about something. And I wish it was a different way, but that's human nature. And so I came to grips with human nature being as flawed as it is. And the fact that I'm going to have walked through life the amount of positivity you will do in life if you stand up for who you are and be your true self and all the words you wish 
that are the words of the day, genuine, authentic, or whatever. Stand up for who you are, who you truly are, not the fake you. My story when I first came to America was I met more Americans than you did because I could watch Americans put on a facade, put on a mask when they were talking to one another about how they wanted to represent themselves to each other. And they hit me and they would go, oh, wow, where are you from? And immediately their facade, their mask would drop and I would meet their genuine self Mm. and they'd be open and gushing and childlike and happy and playful all the things that they weren't willing to show other people and they just dropped their mask. And it was a great learning experience for me in my desire to understand human nature. But ultimately, people at the core are going to hide if they've got heavy walls and they're going to go hide behind them. Their comfort zone is going to get smaller as they grow older. And what I love is when I had an 80-year-old guy come up and said, Trevor, I need this every day. I need your message every day. And it's like he was 83. Who needs that message every day at 83? That's somebody who's open and amazing and willing to learn. That's what I want to be at 83. So I'm willing to take all the risks and be disliked by people because I know the positivity that I spread completely outweighs that negativity. I'm so loving so many things that you brought up here because actually a question that I was waiting to ask was how you feel about people who teach fake it till you make it. (laughs) I've been told that many years ago, fake it until you make it. And I laughed at that. And the answer is that oftentimes your body doesn't necessarily know that your smile isn't genuine. And this is a scientific thing that if you do smile, whether it's forced or not, whether it's genuine or fake, It actually has a positive impact on your body. So there are times I think fake it till you make it actually work. And there are also in speaking and in what we do is, you know, sell it before you have it. The answer is, is you've got to be big enough to stand up for things. The thing is, is if you fake it and you're not willing to then step into it, then you'll be exposed as a fake. So if you fake it and you never make it, that's actually not going to work. But if you are working on moving to something, I will tell you right now, I'm faking it because I have this idea and it's called my URXO starter kit and it has five keychains, key tags that you can attach and a credit card size uh, note and two, one crystal heart and a very special heart and it's a starter kit and it's about love and how to behave in an extraordinary manner. And I've made these and I show them to people and they go, these are amazing. These are incredible. I want 100. I want 200. I want 400. And I'm like, I can't make them (laughs) that quickly. So what do I do? So I'm faking it because I show people this and I give it to them. But, you know, by the time this gets to air, I'll be having a process where I can make it and match up to that, you know, the fake it right now. It's not really fake, but it's something that I I simply don't have the, the bandwidth and the time to do. And yet I'm presenting it as something I want to and I will, and people love it. So you've got to come up with these ideas. You've got to put them out there. And sometimes even if it's a fake thing, as long as you're working towards the make it, I think that fake it till you make it is, is a good thing. Talk about being the perspective catalyst. When I asked that question, I was not expecting that answer. Good. Because I never thought about the fact that we could step into it. You know, and even like me, I want to be a speaker, but I'm not comfortable, but I'll fake it till I make it. You know, I'll get up there and pretend I'm comfortable until I actually am. 
I never thought about it that way. So thank you so much. I just always thought it was a bad thing. Well, think about the make it, right? The make it part is, is what are you going to make it? If you're faking it until you fake it and fake it and fake it, that's different than faking until you actually do make it. I love cliches. I try and tip them all over if I can. And I, having been inspired at the New Media Summit put by people like yourself to, to do a podcast, I will be working on in the new year a podcast called Trevor Perry In Your Face. And to end it, I'm going to apply a little bit of unperspective. And unperspective is finding cliches and flipping them over. And now I've got a new one. Fake it till you make it. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Like every single time I get on to the podcast with a guest, there's always a reason. And I mean, there have been 50 of them today, but I think that's the one that I'm really going to walk away with. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I'm honored. Thank you. Trevor, I want to thank you for being on here today. I mean, really, like just that. Well, first, I want to say to the listeners, I want to know what stands out to you for today's episode. Like, I'm so blown away. I can't even talk right now. So I want you to head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP552 and leave a comment below the show notes. My kids were excited, too. You can probably hear them. They're like, whoa. <laughs> too much greatest showman out there and but yeah listeners i want to hear what your aha was today and i i'm sure trevor would love to hear as well but trevor thank you so much for joining us where can listeners find you online connect and get to know more so kim the perspective catalyst.com is going to be my point of contact if you want to follow some of my sage words of wisdom and my own perspective. I'm going to be doing that on Twitter, which is URXO, easy to find, and uh, working on that. So look me up in those places and it'll lead you to a few other things along your journey. Fabulous. And there will be links to everywhere where you can find Trevor on the show notes, which again is at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP552. Trevor, thank you so much again. I would love to know if you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with the listeners. My favorite golden nugget is that you truly cannot do this on your own. You've got to reach out and have people do and help you with the things that you aren't an expert at. And that is one of the hardest things is to admit that you cannot do everything. The parts that are yours, the parts that you're amazing things, the parts that are your extraordinariness, do them and do them well and have people help you in one form or another. You'll find people to help you. And the communities that we, we connect in, podcasting community, if you want to be a podcaster, they'll reach out and help you. Speakers and the same thing. You'll find people to help you do this. It doesn't have to cost you every penny you have, but seek help. And that will allow you to wallow in your extraordinariness and make a difference in the world. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Bye.